0: Oh, hello and welcome to another episode of the Arsenal Editor Podcast. I sound sad. I think that is because I am I am quite sad. I was just listening to the intro there in our brand new uh podcast editing software which is really exciting for us but certainly not exciting for anyone else we'll skip right past that but it just reminded me of yesteryear when we used to do nice things and perhaps even a couple of weeks ago when things felt a bit nicer there's a lot to go into um we haven't actually recorded anything since the spurs game so since we've last spoken we've last had my voice in between your ears things things have changed muchos. so um well we've got connor here um our normally women's correspondents join us through uh for, for everything with us today so you know you know we've we've been through thick and thin so how are how you doing connor
1: yeah again thank you so much for having me here toby and i wish i was here in in a more positive mood and in a more positive environment as well unfortunately since the last time we we connected and you know two weeks ago we were in a much better position than we are now. And I was a lot more optimistic than I am now. Uh, So I wish we had more positive things and more delightful things to talk about. But unfortunately, that's not the case.
0: I don't want to use that phrase yet. Um, And it's not really what I mean, because I think context is everything. Um, But, you know, if you'd given us fifth at the beginning of the season, or even after those first three games or whatever, all this sort of stuff, which isn't something I think you should measure this season on, particularly as to where we were... And there's a hell of a lot of context and thought that should go into it, which is a lot of stuff that we can go into, but it does, if there's any shining light, I, I guess we, we do have to think like that. And um, yeah, we're p- pretty shell-shocked, we're pretty shell-shocked. I mean, normally mm. what we do in the podcast is we'll go through a game that we played recently or most recently and, you know, we'll go through it what that means and things like that. But there's been two games and there's a lot of context to what that means from the rest of the season. Uh, I'm quite resigned to what, it means going forward for the rest of this season. I'm absolutely convinced there's nothing we can do at all um, to, to get Champions League anymore. But, you know, we've secured fifth place and we're significantly above Manchester United. Um, but, um, I mean, to, 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 to start, I, I always had Newcastle down as, as, as a loss. I was always much more nervous and less confident about going to Newcastle than I was at Spurs. I... I always felt that Spurs was our cup final. Um and it really I think mm-hmm. whatever happened there I was gonna decide Champions League, and obviously it turns out I did, but in a slightly different way to what I thought. I always thought Newcastle was gonna be difficult from a lot of reasons. I think they've only lost to Liverpool there in the last however long. Like they're on a really good run for at home. It's the last game of the season for them and all sorts of stuff. So the disappointment whilst last night was massive. New, Spurs was 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 the the infuriating one. I think we were well beaten last night, but um, we'll we'll go into it. I'm sure. But um, how how would you sum up sort of the last couple of games?
1: Yeah, and it's a good question, and it's one I've definitely toiled with over the past past couple of days. And I felt with the Spurs game, especially with the Rob holding red card, is that we almost treated it too much as a cup final. I think we got, and it it sounds counterintuitive to, to say that about a derby. Like, how can you get too into a derby or too pumped up for a derby? But it shows that we can. And I think that when you get too pumped up and too into it in that sense, you lose that now, you lose that kind of calm sensibility about the play. And I think that's what happened to us and played into Spurs' hand in that sense. And then I think from there it was always difficult to then bounce back and immediately take it from uh, Newcastle uh, away when they're in good form. And I just don't think we were, we were there. I don't think that we were wanting to try and make those kinds of strides and challenges and through balls that we really should have. And I don't know if that was a confidence thing. I don't know if that was a preparation thing. I think um, looking at Chaka's statement, mm. which I see we've got some questions on as well. In terms of that, we didn't carry out what Arteta wanted. I'm not sure why that was the case. And I mean, Chaka's reason was that we did that because people weren't up to it. They didn't have the sort of chutzpah to, to get into that game plan. And I think that maybe that was a competence thing taken on from the Spurs match. And there was some commentary on Sky Sports about how Arsenal mm. are a bit of like a, a streak team at the moment. So like when we lose, we lose a couple when we win, we win a couple. So it, it was unlikely that we were going to be able to bounce back immediately. And for some reason we just didn't perform. And you could see it in the players faces that I don't think they knew either. And they don't think that they were, they were best pleased by it at all. So I'd be interested to, to know why that was the case and, even if there is a reason, or was it just... Yeah, I know, look, if you're be... looking at Newcastle in
0: particular, you know, it's we were going into this game very, very clearly with limping legs, with um, the whole of the back four really was 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 makeshift in a lot of different ways. I mean, Tommy Yasu, I think we've rushed back quite heavily, and I don't think had we been in a different part of the season, we would have done that at all. I think maybe we'd be easing him back into it, and again, that showed because he got injured extremely mm-hmm. early on. Um, We... Gabriel looked like he he hadn't trained at all, and he hadn't trained at all. Ben White hasn't trained at all, but he's played one. I well, didn't play actually. Sorry, I should say. But um, and you know he comes into the Newcastle game, and we strapped him up up to the hills, and Saka's absolutely knackered. Smith throws out of form. You know we're, we're kind of we're relying on players that we would never have had to rely on, and 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 streaky calling us streaky, I think, is an absolute. Uh, bang on the money in terms of who we are right now with all these injuries. And, um, you know, I, uh, if we look back at the streaks that we've had this season where we've lost three in a row or we've had these bad runs, which has happened now, I think we can really say three times, the beginning of the season, that season just after the international break and, and obviously now, Now, um, there's been really key injuries and really, really tired legs. I mean, obviously the massive COVID outbreak, at the beginning of the season, it didn't help. And I think a lot of the press at the moment is looking back to the the, the time we cancelled the Spurs game because of COVID. And quite frankly, that's not the one I look at it at because I think we probably would have lost it anyway. Um, it's actually the first game of the season. If you're going to have to have rescheduled any, I think that was probably the one we we, we should have done, but not the, it was the protocol at the time. So it's very difficult. Um, but looking at ourselves more clearly, <clears throat> and not mm-hmm. thinking about injuries as much, I think something that... Arteta's really had to deal with a lot over the past couple of years, really, is that when we do get a defeat, it does Mm -hmm. seem to affect us. And that's not, not even necessarily like over the period of a couple of games, which it definitely does, but, but actually in game as well. Like it seems to be the case that going a goal down, as we've seen this season, been very tough to come back with the in game management. And again, I think mm-hmm. Conte done amazing things this season. So this isn't me saying I'm unhappy with fifth because I think I'm delighted with mm-hmm. fifth. I'm just very unhappy that it's Spurs getting fourth. Um, and it's the way it's happened. But um, yeah. I think that's something he could work on. I think the, the speed in which he can react to things is is going to be really important going forward. And I think is something that he'll probably outline as something that he can work on.
1: Mm. Yeah. And I think you've, you've hit a good nail on the head and, for the, the stats lovers out there, I saw stat during the game that whenever Arsenal had gone a goal down mm. in an away game, we lost every single one. Uh, so that's now seven from seven. And whether that's an experience thing or whether that's a mentality thing, like you were saying, sort of affecting us in-game, that's something that Oteté will will have to work on. And it's all of this is definitely mm. fuel for the fire all of these experiences and this hurt and pain and looking at the fans and saying it was right there and we didn't take it is going to be fantastic fuel for the fire for next season for when we take on the Europa League and we've got a Thursday turnaround for a Saturday game. And when we're going into these kinds of situations, again, this young team, very exciting team Mm -hmm. is going to have all of these experiences behind them and it's only going to make them better players. So I think while this is, this is very tough to take There is that side where it's going to provide a good launching pad, at least for next season. Whether that affects our mentality towards how we approach Europa League or our recruitment as well, which is obviously going to be hit if we don't get Champions League, I think that's still what we've displayed is that we're heading in the right direction and that if we can get some tough love on the way, I don't I agree, think that's I agree. I mean, look, the world I, in that
0: sense. A, there, I, people don't want to hear at the moment, but there, there is a project in place and I think it's been well documented that, um, that the plan was always, we've got transfer targets if we get the Champions League, we've got transfer targets if we get Europa League and we've got transfer targets if we don't get European football at all. And we'd never expected to be here. And if you look back to that January, I think decisions were made assuming we wouldn't get top four. You know, I'd, we weren't in an amazing position. We just had a, quite a bad run of form. Um, <clears throat> it didn't feel like it was it was there to completely be able to get hold of, um, although it did feel like there was an opportunity, uh, I suppose, to be fair. <clears throat> and it was only two weeks ago, really, you know, at the end of the, the, the run of beating Chelsea United and West Ham, we were saying that, oh my God, we'll look back in however many years and we'll say crikey, we're, we're getting into the Champions League, or at least giving it our best shot, with Eddie, Elneny, um, Nuno, Cedric, and Jacques. Jacques. I think you can probably include in that stylistically when you sort of look at the rest of the players within that and we'll be like, God, we, that is something. And, you know, I think we know enough about those players to know that they've got limitations and the goals or the lack of structure or the lack of ability, I think, in some of those players, it's fair to say, is is something that was always going to cause us issues. And when you've got all of those injuries and you look back to January, we knew there was a thin squad. It's, you know, it's come back to bite us in the ass. I and mean, we, I think, I think it's fair to say it was always going to. So, um, I think we can get into that a little bit more. You know, there's a lot of questions about it and it will probably come up a little bit better, but, um, let's talk quickly about the Spurs game just very quickly. And then we'll go into the last night. Cause I think they're quite, they're two very different games. um, I think, because I remember starting quite well Mm -hmm. at Spurs. Um, I think we were really enthusiastic, maybe maybe too enthusiastic. Maybe it was too much of a cup final when really we just should have thought about not losing. I think fundamentally the setup and the approach, um, I I, I think Arteta just got it really, really wrong. I think having Tomiyasu on the left still, whilst that worked against uh, West Ham. Who did it work against? Leeds. Oh, who did he play against? Yes, it was Elise, Yes, of course it was. Um, it, like he got home and Son on the right against Cedric, and it was an absolute mismatch. And that means that Cedric would rush up every time, uh, all the way to the left back. I think John. He would just go and try and press him for no reason, which left C- Son to drag out uh, Rob Holding. I think it was a tactic of Alzetta's to push out Rob Holding and tend to rough his feathers, and obviously he gets sent off in, in a slightly dubious way, but still, it, it was a, it was definitely a. Um, a victim of the system, and I think the approach was was generally pretty wrong. Is is that the way you saw
1: it, or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's certainly a way that factors into my thinking about the match. When when I look at a match, there is the manager side to it, and there are the players side to it as well. And putting Tomiyasu on the left was a decision that Arteta made. I think that. When you are making that decision, you have to say, right, well, how am I going to play with my other side? And, you know, um, Cedric is always a bombing right back. And then Son is always wanted to get the ball on the sort of longer side, a long ball. So you've got a bombing right back who's then playing against a winger who loves to get in behind. And that's where, for me, I I felt a bit of discomfort at that thought. I would have preferred... On, on the left, um, or sort of on the right with, with Tommy Yasu there, who would stay back and then would let Nuno Tavares go on the other side, um, with less so of a, of a bombing forward. But I think Kane likes to make the sort of center to, to out, to sort of outside to the right run mm-hmm. more so than to the left because on his right foot. So I would find that it would be more so Kane running that channel, yep. which, um, Tavares can definitely keep up with, uh, rather than, um with with the other side and then Tomias would be able to to keep up with, with Son in that sense because he would be back and then Son wouldn't have that outlet ball. Rob Holding wouldn't have to engage and then he wouldn't have gotten sent off. So for me I, I felt that as well. Um, and then as I mentioned I also felt that we we did make it out to be a bit too much of a cup final then than we could have or then we should have, I should say. And I think that was inevitable inevitable to happen. You know there's so much history behind Getting a result that means something at mm. Spurs' expense um, at their ground, and then you know, Saka still hasn't won away there either. And then within that, you've then got Arteta, who's a very passionate manager and who's giving it his all and um, really, really into this this derby as well. And I think that just played into into the wrong kind of mm. wrong kind of setup. And then, as a result, we we were just exploited.
0: Yeah, I think so. It did feel like that. It did feel like that. And I, I do think though that we, we did have the better the better of them, but it was wasn't not even you know we were definitely you could make a lot of case that either were, were were on top. Both there were it was a bit cagey, but I do think we you know Kane had had what a couple of touches in that whole that first interchange. Certainly no shots, but I think we'd had mm-hmm. a couple of shots. I remember that Saka chance. He kind of just cut inside, had a good good little stab. Um, there, there were things happening for sure, and I knew we had some success pressing them high up the pitch. Um, it it just did feel that that penalty changed everything. And uh, look, I think I I was actually raging at at the time, and there was a lot of different things. I think the referee did very leniently, let's say towards spurs i think you know there was a foul in the build-up to mm-hmm. the second goal that where actually you know the guy stamped on sack of foot rather than sack with anyway all this sort of stuff but actually in hindsight these are just it can feel like you're being robbed but it just like i think they're probably home advantage decisions rather than sort of really really awful decisions mm-hmm. um and I do think that first goal was obviously crucial as, as we found that throughout our whole season so I think that just changed the whole game and then suddenly their tails are up having them being nervous for the first 15 minutes and all that sort of stuff and we weren't going through every goal but I think we were well beaten from there and I think just yeah, of course. I think we you know we were unlucky and we got it really wrong um, and I, you know we had our chances and mm-hmm. you know if we had 11 minutes on the pitch and you know not conceded that first goal it could have gone any which way and you know even coming out with it a draw would have been much better so but it seemed to take a lot out of the players. Mm-hmm. They really, really did. You could see the emotion on the on, on their faces, right?
1: Yep, you're exactly right. And I think there's two sides to that. I think it's a very good thing. I think maybe in the past there have been accusations that Arsenal players that you literally you turn up, you play, and then you go. You don't say thank you to the fans. And what that created was this disconnect between the 11 players on the pitch and then there, are mm. however many fans in the stands and seeing that emotion and seeing people not really wanting to high five take social media selfies uh after the game is a good thing uh when the players are grumpy it shows that they care and it shows that they also want what what the fans want which having that synergy between the two parties is fantastic and then it's also it does start to to take over and permeate into other areas of, of life as well. And then onto the training pitch and then onto your mm. home life and then onto the next game above all. And I think that that's where maybe the players have to try and create those sort of mental blocks to say, okay, that's done now. And then we move on, which I thought they were doing, you know, and then he said, that's in the past. Now uh, we need to move on. We know what we're doing on Monday, but then it just seemed that we hadn't moved on and that it affected maybe in, in a, in a subconscious way, uh the players mentality. Where, where, where do you sense?
0: place them? Um like youth in that do you reckon you know because everyone can say that they everyone says that you know it's yeah we need to move on this is behind us great and all that but you know you can see in their eyes this is this is the final that they thought they had do you remember the um i don't know if you're into rugby do you remember the england new zealand semi-final right and look england won that Then they played south africa of course you remember it (laughs) in the final right um yeah. But, you know, there that, that, was a lot of talk about, I think, Warren Gatland, if anyone's into the rugby, remembers saying that that was their final and everyone sort of laughed. And, like, I think win or lose, when you put that much mm-hmm. emotional energy into something you think is going to happen and then you've got another game to do it again afterwards, it's kind of, particularly a few days later, I just wonder if that kind of mental energy and, and, and lack of experience may have played into it. Well, I don't know what you think about that.
1: Yeah, I think youth is an interesting one. Um, perhaps there's a side to it to say that if you've got a wiser head on you, you're less likely to be affected by the emotional side. And you've had so many big moments in your career that this one mm. is, is just another one to just tick off the list so then it doesn't affect you as much. And Maybe when you're younger, this is your sort of first quote-unquote final that you've had in an Arsenal shirt. And this is where you can make your name and really get into it. And perhaps that maybe played into that almost too much of a big occasion. Um, and I think in terms of the, the rugby one, is that you're exactly right. There are finals that aren't actually official finals. And when you put that much mental energy into it, your body is going to be affected, your attitude is going to be affected. And to then look have it looking forward that you're just going to have to do it all over again is, is the next challenge. And perhaps this is where the young boys of Arsenal start to become uh, men in that sense and grow up and become experienced and know how that feels so they can then manage it and you know in terms of how we play games whether we go for um go for more blood if we're sort of two one up rather than the corner and then that sort of now comes in where we actually just mm. go to the corner and play it round perhaps that's what we what we will develop out of this situation as well but i think youth is is an interesting one in the sense that it's more likely that different matches that are mm. not finals are treated as such because they're coming so yeah early definitely, on um,
0: it certainly felt like that. And I think it, particularly away at Newcastle, like it kind of, we had our buffer going into Spurs. So there was kind of, particularly in the first, um, 25 minutes, or whatever it may be, it certainly felt that we were retaking really it to them. It was like these kids have got their opportunity to, to do something really special and they're taking it. And, um, kind of moving on to the Newcastle game, I think what, what felt different is that in most games you get a bit of jeopardy, a bit of what if and all that sort of stuff. And, um, it certainly felt like a little bit like Spurs, like it felt, oh, what if they didn't get that soft penalty or this, that, and the other, um, did not feel like that against, uh, Newcastle at all. I think we were, we were really, really well beaten, um, from start to finish. I think even before the start, uh, it, it looked, looked like we were, we were scared and it looked like we had, uh, it was our last chance. And, um, you know, early exchanges was certainly all Newcastle' a serious possession stats that I, you know we don't want to look at, um, and we started with a team mm-hmm. that was strapped up, and I think we were well beaten from the start. I mean, how did you sort of view the the, the opening exchanges and that starting lineup? I guess.
1: Yeah, you know I. I like to write down the lineup mm. I think going to happen sort of before the game, uh, maybe just to distract myself from the day. But I do like to write it down. And I pretty much wrote down what Arteta started with. So I was I was happy with it. Um, but I don't know that p- specific game. I when they were passing also passing yeah. the back, I even felt scared. I was like, oh, boy, just get it up there. Just put it in the net. Like, I just don't want to deal with it. Um, and I had to, hadn't felt that way in a long time. Arsenal um, have become very accomplished at playing out the back and very accomplished in their performances as well. But I don't know. I think maybe in, in some weird way, the the players' fears also transpired on, onto me just as a fan watching, even through a screen. And I didn't... I, it felt weird and I didn't really understand it. And I think it just showed mm-hmm. in, in how they're playing. You know, I've never seen Martin Odegaard get dispossessed and lose the ball so much in, in my life. And... It's just like you you could count on one hand most of the time the amount of passes that Arsenal put together. And I don't know if that was in terms of players wanting to to ship it or not to move it or mm. effectively not to be the one that made the mistake to then lose Arsenal the the Champions League. And it turns out if everyone's thinking like that, then that's how it goes. Um, and everyone then becomes at fault. So for me, watching that performance, when we were moving it around, it didn't feel like Arsenal were moving it around. I felt that Eleven players wearing the arsenal shirt were moving it around and then proving submissive to to a Newcastle team who really really wanted it and were yeah, yeah. By i mean they pressed pretty team. well
0: they they, they 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 smelt blood and they got it. <laughs> you know they saw our strapped up team and you know Ramsdale was extremely nervous and yeah. they gave it away a bit of a melllier goal in the first first couple of minutes, which was terrifying, you know uh, which kind of set the tone from the back um, but you know mm-hmm. He started to go long a bit and try and stretch the play, but we started with Smith-Rowe, who was very tired, he didn't really stretch them, which felt like actually would have been a far better tactic. Um, and it certainly felt like a Martinelli game. I think I tweeted it at the time. But, um, you know, this is a team that when they press on you, this is an opportunity to, to, to beat the press, to get past it and go long. And it's almost a attacking is the best way of defending. It's a territory game against Newcastle. If they're playing in your pitch, they will press high. And if you've got Xhaka and Elneny, who can turn about as quickly as a... Uh, a trolley <laughs> a milk tanker exactly um, milk tanker you know, and El Neni's yeah. had good things but like he, he, a good couple of games but we'd still known who El Neni is and we've had two years of El or sorry way more years of El Nenny, so we know what El Neni's about and he started to creep back into doing those sorts of things and I've got no illusions what, what he could or can be um, and um, you know we just didn't feel like we were able to beat that press any time we had Erdegaard marked up I think he couldn't really touch anything he, he just couldn't couldn't trap a ball. I think Saka was exhausted, but he even looked dangerous every time he touched it. I think Smith-Rowe was out of the game. He doesn't look fit. Um, uh, Gabriel doesn't look fit. Tomiassi went down early. We had Cedric and then Nuno, I think, had a good game. But these are, these are are this is nervy times and people aren't trusting each other. So we end up mm-hmm. going long. Ball keeps coming back. You go long, ball keeps coming back. And I think Ramsdale had a few wayward passes that probably made him go longer more than he would have wanted. Um, but it just bred this pure game of nervousness but I must say in the first half in the other than that, Allenson and Maxim chance, they didn't have any clear open up chances Like other than that I think it was just relentless pressure um, I think the, the possession stats were mm-hmm. mind blowing, I think they were like 65% or something like that um, which is crazy yeah so, I think so yeah, it didn't didn't feel that good, but it certainly didn't feel like we were gonna come out for it. But it certainly did feel like we if we just got to the end of the half, which we definitely did, obviously it was 0-0 going into half time and thinking right, reset. What have we got here? But then you're looking at the bench and you know, bringing on Martinelli was always going to be an option, but having already taken Tommy Yasu off, um, we we were limited. I mean, look at the bench, what we had Pepe, um, Lacazette. Martinelli, yep, we obviously. Had had but Yep it was slim
1: pickings. It was slim pickings and it's a good way to put it. And I was seriously, seriously hopeful that this was going to be Pepe's game. But um, Alan Smith put it really well is that Pepe is either a two out of 10 or nine out of 10. And you don't really know which one you're going to get. And it's such a struggle because there's so much talent in him, but Pepe is obviously not playing with a lot of confidence and you maybe to some extent can't expect him to play out of his skin when he hasn't played yeah. a, a full match in, in so, so long. And then you question why he's not sort of in the starting uh, 11 in that sense because Arteta credited him after one of the games against Chelsea Man United saying the way these boys yeah. trained, like Pepe, for example. So he's always putting in the work. So you want him to succeed, you want him to take his chance, and then it just turned out that it wasn't for him. You know, he gave the ball away, which he left Ben on white with a Ben White yeah. with, um, a 2 on 1 and eventually he defended really well or as best he could and Ramsdale saved it but i was just waiting for for Pepe to to do something and then he just he didn't and i i can't explain why i don't know why he wasn't trying to get on the ball and beat people like he did apart from maybe that everyone's nervousness then just made him feel that right i need to play the ball rather than trying to beat my man with a 40% chance, I should play the ball with an 80% chance of getting to my man and then we'll reset and do something else. And I don't think that's why yep. Pepe was thrown on. I think he was thrown on to cause a bit of chaos, as we as we very well know he can. So it's, you know, at, at nil-nil, you would expect Arteta to just get into the plays a little bit, shake them up, yep. and then it just it didn't happen. And we, we conceded, and then it didn't... I, I saw that goal go in, and I'm like, wow, yeah, there's gonna right. be some comeback if we can if we can make it. You know, I always I always have faith, but there are definitely games where I'm like, Okay, no problem. One one goal down with half an hour to go, we're we're more than capable. But this game I was like, mm. oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it just didn't feel like, like we had any so in the game,
0: you know. I think for reasons we said we couldn't get anything through the middle and um Pepe in particular, I think he <laughs> he definitely looked like someone who's not really gonna play again for Arsenal, so um I'm not you know He's got a new agent, maybe he's looking elsewhere. I'm not saying there's a lack of effort there, I just, we know what he is, right? And that is the fact that we don't know what he is. <laughs> he's, he can be anything to anyone and there's no structure and he'll give <laughs> the ball away and he'll score a 30-yard screamer one minute to the next and you'll never know what's going to happen. But unfortunately, we've seen far too much of the, the bad and um, yesterday was, was one of those. But it's hard to single him out, it really is. I think everybody was poor, really, back to front. Um, for all the reasons mm-hmm. we said, through injuries, through tiredness, um, through nerves, through age. Um, it really did, did, did feel like that from start to finish. And I think even, I think we we looked a bit better when Martinelli came on in the second half, which I believe was before the first goal. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. and then the first goal happened. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on the first goal?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Um, You know, there's no. No. I don't attach any blame to Ben White. I think he was doing exactly what he was supposed to do and maybe something to do with his injury that he just wasn't that half a yard quicker Mm. and he was that half a yard quicker. He would have got more of the midsole and cleared it rather than toe-poked it into the net. So perhaps that that was playing into it. And Gary Neville, I mean, controversial figure, um, was saying that there's something positionally wrong if that's what's happened, Mm. as in you've toe-poked it into your own net. And... I was looking at it and perhaps maybe he was half a yard out, yard out on his position, but then, you know, a fully fit Ben, Ben White sprints back and, and just gets into that position. And it was a necessary challenge. Mm -hmm. He had to make it. And then it did just go in. Um, But it did come from a, from something that didn't have to happen. You know, Nuno didn't have to give a a foul throw away, but I think linking that all the way back to the goal, it's, it's quite you know it's quite dubious quite far stretched mm. you know could have gone anywhere um but i think ben white had to do what he had to do and if we had a I agree ben i agree white, I, don't I think I, it would have happened
0: i think he would have covered it and i think he was carrying it all game and i think he was probably the best player on the pitch to be honest for most of the game um despite that injury but i th- i think he had half a yard agreed less i think we try and played a really high line as well which i think was a little bit uh, worrying although we did need to push up the pitch and squeeze and we did have a throw in and I- i'm like you i don't attach any blame to the throw i think I think it's borderline, anyway. Uh, but the fact that it was given as a as a foul throw doesn't really bother me. I think it's if that's what you're going to give, that's that's fair enough. But we had so much time to deal with it. I think the rest we had so much time. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's an irrelevance, really. And um, I think that there's a couple of blame attached to this. Uh, there's three. So I think the less the smallest one is Nuno uh, for the foul throw, uh, and I think. That's a tiny percentage. I I, I just don't really think that's the main reason why we conceded. Um, And then I think it's Xhaka, I believe. Uh, I don't even remember this, but Nuno throws Mm -hmm. it. Xhaka, you know, the biggest S-house in the league, um, throws it straight to the player to give it a throw-in. Didn't drop it on the floor, doesn't it? He just literally throws it straight to his hand. Bang. We've got gaps. Cedric's pushed up because this is where I'm getting to. Cedric. Cedric, again, just like he did North London derby, pushed up entirely unnecessary. And I doubt that was instruction. It could have been. Um, if it was, we've got issues because he's not the player to be doing that. Because he kind of goes up there, hands up, sort of. Mm-hmm. Right, he's created a dog mm-hmm. leg and uh suddenly we've got ben white who's got half a hamstring left in his entire body having to chase back and got callum wilson having to chase and alan semmas mm-hmm. but whoever it was it was joe linton i think actually who'd filled that space in from cedric's uh, push-up and you know and then we've got set uh, backs all over the place they've got a lot of space on the right and i think i think what gary neville was saying is is um was actually quite fair i, I think i actually watched the wall of the sky analysis and um I actually thought they were quite reasonable last night for, for reasons I'll get into later, but he did mention, he said that he didn't think Ben White was fit. And, um, mm-hmm. and that might've been a reason that he didn't get there, but if a, a good, a good sense about would get there. And he, but he also did say that he, that's because, um, that that's because Ben White wasn't very fit. Um, but you know, they were complimenting the, the, that duo all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the irony is that he mentioned like John Terry, but I remember numerous John Terry own goals doing exactly the same thing because you've got, I, I do disagree with that. You know, you, Yes, you should be there, but there are times where you won't be because that's football, and it's up to you to try and get a touch to it. And not, you know that's just unlucky.
1: Yeah. <sighs> no, agreed. And I think with with Ben White as well, you know there were there was a challenge where he put it in, and um, I think it just deflected off somewhere. But he he got up in what seemed like you know mm. span of two hours. He was tired. He was mentally and physically tired and after barrows of a Newcastle constant pressure game, I think that's going to be inevitable. And also with, as you say, half a hamstring at best in left in the rest of his body, mm. I think that's going to take a toll. And it's a testament to his character that he carried on and just got in when when that was done. But it also shows the the desire i think that the squad will have to also expand and to improve competition and to have options that you don't think you have to risk your whole hamstring in order to in order to play you know we just had william saliba win the the young yep. player of the year for League and so that's going to be a fantastic addition to have and then you know you look at any of the top teams liverpool you take all van Dyke, you put on Matip, and it's, it's almost like mm-hmm. a like for like swap and then you can also just make those decisions in game it's like right okay so if Benny's not up to it. Then, right on you go, William. Just take yeah. over and see it through, and I think that'll be fantastic. So that we then we then gain that half a yard through another player, rather than having to make another player suffer that half a yard. Yeah, and look, you only have to look as far space.
0: back as um, you only have to look as far back as Liverpool, who just scraped fourth if it wasn't for a uh, Allison header, because they lost um, Gomez and Van Dyke at the back, and suddenly they were a completely different team, and you know. Nothing's changed in terms of what we learned from the beginning of the season other than that we've got these fabulous, amazing young players and I'm so glad that we've got the connection back between the fans. There's so much positive about this season. But in terms of what we knew was going to go wrong, nothing's changed. Like We we, we knew we didn't have a proper centre-forward that was all firing on all cylinders and we didn't have the depth. We had 12 to 13 quality players and in my personal opinion, I think we do have a top four starting 11. If you had to take all the starting 11s in the league, I think we would have a top four one. But I think we have a potentially even bottom of the half, mm-hmm. uh, maybe that's harsh, top top half of the table squad. Like I think scratch below that surface, we are in absolutely dire straits. And um, if that's the right phrase, <laughs> but it's not great. Uh, I think it is a good phrase. Is that the right phrase? Well, I hope so. Anyway, I think so. Um, this is a good phrase. We'll go. Yeah, It's, I think that's it's, it. a, good, it's yeah. a good phrase, a good bad. Um, so, and uh, that, that's just what happened. You know, we, you guess so many times our back four played together this season. You know, our back four. The Tomiyasu, Ben White, uh, Gabriel and Tierney. Ten times they played together. It's crazy, you know, these are the things, but that happens in Mm -hmm. a season. And if you don't plan for your very injury-prone left-back and your very injury-prone best player in Thomas Party in central midfield, and you don't have appropriate backups for them, this is going to happen to you. But, you know, we look back at before January and Thomas Party was pretty much out the whole time, who... We had Samby Lukongo, and he was an absolutely class player. And suddenly, January comes, party comes back. He's absolutely class when he comes back from African, obviously. Um, and we forget, you know, Sang- exists, and and we don't play him at all. Which I think was something consistent mm-hmm. with Arteta. You are either if you are not in his first level he doesn't play you for a minute, and that means that when we do need you, you are not fit, you are not ready. Um, other than El Nenny it seems. <laughs> but it, 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 you know, it, we look back at things like we had an amazing. <laughs> amazing um transfer season transfer window last summer which was great we knew the gaps mm-hmm. that was a central midfield replacement and it was a strength forward that was high, firing at all cylinders um but do you, are we are we ready to talk about january yet i think because that's where i think we'll find a lot of where these problems really stem from and and, and the fruits that we're really seeing at the moment.
1: Yeah. And, you know, you had a, a very prophetic post mm. in January, which said, you know, basically predicted the future without you even mm. intending to, in the sense that, you know, the, the slim pickings, the problems that are associated mm. with that is, were going to show. And we didn't get the kind of squad and transfer that we wanted, but we had to just go with it. And fingers crossed that Lacazette at that time, we didn't want to get injured. Then Eddie came and really tore, tore stuff up. And... I think that as a result, it makes it very exciting for the summer again. If we can just nail it again, and um, I mean, I I like this sort of transfer rumor for all the wrong reasons in the form of DiBala, but I would love to see him at Arsenal. Um, whether he'll be yeah. like the appropriate player or not, <laughs> I don't really pay much attention to that. Um, but we'll see if he comes uh, if we're if we're in the Europa League. But I think that makes for yeah. an exciting time ahead. I love transfer season as an Arsenal fan. Like the recent seasons have been fantastic to see all the the links and and also Martin Odegaard was signed Aye. on my birthday, which was like the best birthday present ever. Um so that was that was fantastic. And I love having this kind of excitement. I think I mentioned in previous podcasts as well, where like you've got a we need a center forward and that's gonna be pretty exciting who we get. And then also the other improvements that we need to get as well is going to be very, very exciting and give a little bit of a spark back to uh to an Arsenal side that, that very much needs it. And we we'll look back to January where there's all this hype around Vlaovic mm. would have been fantastic and he's absolutely tearing it up in in Italy now still, but we didn't get it. Vlaovic and then Isaac for ninety million <laughs> euros just screamed, you know, another yeah, another yeah. another Pepe. So I'm glad that that was also there as well. And you know, I think the a nice word to describe it is shrewd. You know, we were shrewd in the summer, and then I think, unfortunately, we had to be shrewd in January where we could have splashed all that money, yeah. which is great that we have the opportunity to do that on Isaac or on um, Arthur Mello, but I don't think that they would have been very shrewd signings in that sense. Uh, so it makes for an exciting summer and Mm. it's good when this kind of idea is clear that we need more players and more players who can step in and take their chance. Yeah. I think Willie Saliba is going to be fantastic. And I think it's going to be fantastic, especially because I think Arteta has been slightly ratified in this decision to send him out on loan. He's done so well and gained so much experience. and will now come back more likely to start. And I was almost humbled when he was sent out, you know, I think one of his comments was like, I was literally bought for like 30 million euros and then I was yeah. chucked out as if I was like, you know, 16. So I think he got humbled, you know, he got hyped back in France and rightfully so, then humbled again and now he's really proving his stuff. I think that'll be very exciting, especially because the Arsenal fans want to see him and want to see him thrive. Um, and that kind of connection where you see a player, like you want him to get on the pitch and to play well, I think will be fantastic for him. And then I think looking back to... To January, that kind of mm. spark that a Saliba would bring um, would have been great in that in that January transfer window. Mm. If we had gotten that centre forward or gotten that extra player, I think it would have been fantastic. But we didn't, and now we're here. And, and, now we've yeah, got and a, Saliba a will come back, I'm sure, of
0: it. And I think he's, you know, we've got, we're going to have a hell of a lot of games next season. We'll be in the Europa League, right? And there's going to be game after game after game. I mean, look, we had a clean run with no Europe this season, and look how battered we are. So we need a lot of players. Uh, otherwise, we're in a lot of trouble. So, um, <laughs> and just looking back at January, um, which I think was really important, I think you've got two very clear teams in very similar positions. I want to say, you know, we got two teams not for you know not firing all cylinders, uh, two teams that could do well, uh, two teams not expected to do that well in Spurs and Arsenal, um, but also two teams that uh, that, that that didn't we really have any competitions. Spurs went out in Europe in a really embarrassing way, which was quite annoying. Um, they ended up, you know, uh, having a clear run like we did. So there was two teams with clear runs, and that was Arsenal and Spurs, pretty much from from just after January. One team, Arsenal, tried to buy mm-hmm. long term signings that they couldn't do. They stuck to their guns, which I respect in some ways, uh, but I'm now extremely frustrated because we could all see the road ahead. Um, couldn't find the right player. Conte, Spurs, managed to find the right loan signings. Kulisevski, what a wonderful signing that was. And Ben Tencour, who I believe, I think it was a permanent signing, uh, was fine, but again, just gave him that extra padding in midfield. And now, you know, it, it, when push comes to absolute shove with that extra player in the comfort positions that we desperately needed them in, like you look at centre-forward, you look at centre-midfield, you look at left-back, I think. You know, we've got these just alone signing in one, two, all three of those positions would have given that extra comfort. Now, would that have found us an extra point here, which point there, or get an extra goal against Southampton or something like something, you know, or had to play Cedric where all of these mistakes that we've talked about would have mm-hmm. come from. I mean, there are so many if, buts and maybes. And I do, I just do think all of the problems and all of the issues do stem from, from, from that January period. And, um, but then again, I think they didn't expect that we were going to get top four. Um, so it was kind of like, right, let's just make sure we get you know, get rid of all the players where we got this opportunity, um, which they did well. But then how well have they made and what Nathan Niles would have done covering our fullback mm-hmm. issues, our central midfield issues. The, all issues we knew were coming. It was like, right, we've got these, what, 17 games left and we've got these 14 players. Um, you know, and we are where we are. So, yeah, very... Very, very sad. Um I think there's mm-hmm. quite a lot of questions on this sort of stuff, but um we can I think we should probably move on on to that now as well. Um but it is disappointing to finish the eighth season like this and sure. You know, I look back to the times with um I I think it was what, Villarreal? Um to Brighton with the United season, it could have been one game away from Champions League, the Chelsea away, you know, the who did we lose to? Uh, Arteta's first season it was like Victoria or something I can't remember but either way um, but it doesn't what feels different about this time is context and like none of what's happened in the last couple of games takes away I think just how great this season has been and it's been so enjoyable the players are likeable I think we're really churning out players and I, I do feel confident going into the summer which is not something I've said in years Mainly because they said they got cash. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just who we can attract.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, tetra can get stuck in. Yeah, Teta can get stuck in with his hands and I really do the times of team bonding mm. and conversations and everything without all the background noise from external matches. And um, there's that, the next thing. We're going to America, I think, in the summer, which would be fantastic. Mm. Connect with the fans over there. And I think Arteta will just have enough time just to sit around with everyone and sort of like a kumbaya kind of moment and just say, this is what we're going to do. This is what I want to do. These are players that are coming in. Really start to gel Mm. and just sort of prep the team. He knows what's going to come. This is now guaranteed, which is Mm. great. We know that we've got Firth at least. So then he can start planning for that. And I think having that clear vision, which I think Arteta has been very good at having as well as Edu, is, I agree. Oh yeah, I, I really agree.
0: Um, and I've got full confidence in them. I, I I worry now that we don't have Champions League. I'm sure we'll get into the moment what kind of players we can get compared to what we do. Um, but we did come fifth. We've got we've had a very very good roller coaster of a season. We have done all right. Um, uh, yeah. But look, let's let's move on anyway. Was there anything else you, you wanted to get off your chest before we move into um, the the questions? Because to be honest, mate, normally what I do is I have quite a clear structure of what I'm going to say. I have like maybe about ten points that I know I want to say. I'm scrolling through my notes here. None of it coherent. All of which I want to get off my chest. Some of which I haven't. Um, <laughs> just for a little bit of the listeners and what you know how they how they hear <laughs> how I <I'm doing> this. <laughs> Any anything else you want to say?
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I have um, a bit a bit of a funny one is that, you know, with, with Arsene Wenger, he used to struggle mm. with his, like, zip all the time. So half of Wenger's, like, gesticulations yes. on the side. Where are you going really with, this? with his zip. <laughs> The Arteta yeah. equivalent I've found. Yeah, the Arteta equivalent I've found is his jumper we need to buy this man a yeah. longer jumper because every time he gesticulates, <laughs> he immediately has to pull his jumper back down because it's obviously like ridden nice. up. So if you watch him, like I can't unsee it now, but every time he does his things, and he does a lot of hand signs, he immediately goes back to his jumper and then he does yeah. it again and then he pulls his jumper down again and then he does it again and shouts at this person and then pulls his jumper down. So I found that, you know, you could definitely make some form of like drinking or, yeah. or truth or dare game after the amount of time. I love that. Had to that. I absolutely down. love that. Do you know else
0: could do with the new jumper is uh, Cedric, because my God, he's got lead boots and he can't jump for crap. So, uh, no, I love that, mate. I absolutely love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. I hadn't, I hadn't noticed that, but he does. He always wears the same thing, doesn't he? Maybe next season he needs to kind of get a bit more... You know, he does. Different. I mean... Who knows?
1: Um, yeah. I would love. I'd love a Michelatetta line. I mean, his fresh trim as well for the Spurs yep. game. Also, Ramsdale had a fresh trim. Loved that. Um, but yeah. then, yeah, this man needs. By the a way, Ramsdale. Of, Ramsdale made decided. an
0: unbelievable save. We're lucky it wasn't five. Just, just to be clear, I think he. Yeah, in the Newcastle yeah, game. Yeah, in the Newcastle I, game. I, I or, think. He 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 was yeah, really nervous. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was nervous, That's was pretty, but unbelievable well. with, with his saves. Sam Maxim. There was that. You know, even the Bruno Gomes goal, which we haven't really gone into, and we don't need to. Um, yeah, it was definitely a player I'd need to. But um, uh, he, you know, he made an unbelievable save to 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 stop that first shot, and then there was another one. I believe there was a one-on-one that Ben White. Anyway, we keep talking. There's so much we can go into, and I think we could probably talk mm-hmm. forever. So, uh, the ultimate, yeah. You know, Ultimately, we lost the last six, the last eleven. We're not going to get the Champions League. Who was your man of the match for the Newcastle game? This is a difficult one. Yeah, for
1: yeah for, yeah, for the Newcastle game. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Benny White. Yeah, um, I think I might have stolen your man of the match, but for me, it was it was Benny White. Um, just in terms of like, I could see how mentally exhausted and physically exhausted he was and to still put in the performance that he did, even with an own goal, which is one of those goals that you just have to understand. I think he was, he was phenomenal. Um, but an honorable mention uh, for me, I think we'll, we'll go to Ramsdale as well. If that gives you some, some form of inspiration. Cause I think despite being unsure with his feet, as you said, his, with his hands, he was, he was phenomenal and it definitely could have affected how he played. Um, and it definitely could have performed or sort of resulted in mm. a performance which was nervous all round. But I think he,
0: yeah, very I mean, there was that one punch that two. he sort of nearly threw into his own net when it was across. But the rest of it, I think, yeah, he, he made some unbelievable shot stopping saves, <laughs> and that's one of the reasons we bought him. Right, was that we he was a reason his mentality. So when he does make mistakes, how he moves on from that. So. Yeah, 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 no, I, I think that that is fair. I would have gone Ben White for that two-on-one situation. The fact that he came in not trained in ages and made himself available and was, was really good on the night, I I thought. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, even he was just slight off pace, I think. Um, I wonder if Ramsdale had had this half of the season, the first half of the season, how we'd be feeling about Ramsdale. <laughs> I think we probably would have been a bit nervous at the beginning, but he's got that buffer, hasn't he? But
1: food for thought. Um yeah, it's a good question. Because like also with that, you know, how that would have transpired mm. on would have been um, would have been horrendous. But also now I think that mm. still having had that barnstorm over season in the first half, he now has this expectation to live up with and live up to. And if he's not pinging those like 60-yard passes that he used to, he's like, yeah. oh, I'm not doing as well as I should. And maybe set himself up yeah, no, too do high agree. in that sense. I do
0: agree. Um, did you have a dick of the day?
1: Oh, I, I always jump. What you think? Because um, unless it's funny, yeah, I never go want to play It's not what you. it's for,
0: right? But I, I, I'm gonna. Whilst I do, yeah, I'm not gonna jump on the train. I, I do think Carragher and Neville um, had some pretty fair analysis last night on Sky. I do actually think that that was because they kind of got what they wanted, and they feel like they they can breathe a sigh of fresh, air. you know, they can just breathe now, uh, whereas after Spurs yeah, is, yeah. Gary Neville gets my dick of the day for some absolutely abhorrent, just like he just was, he clearly had the chip on his shoulder, no it doesn't want Arsenal to win which is, you know, they're rivals, they can do that but when you're in a format of Sky and it means a lot, it's just like the Spurs loving just came from like nowhere it was almost like, mm-hmm. yes we've got our final push at the end of the season, it's going to the end of the day and they're like just absolutely loving, shaming on Arsenal, it was like it was so imbalanced and so annoying there was like no mention of pretty much, yeah, the, it, it was almost as if Arsenal like didn't even have any more games left, like which, anyway, but it was just infuriating. So, uh, yeah, it's mm. what about you?
1: Yeah, no, I would do something similar. There was, I can't mm. remember, I think it was Saturday Social, I think was the program where one of the um guests said that when Kane finishes his career. Terry Henry will just be a footnote, and I thought that was the most outrageous (laughs) statement of of 2022. And it's not even you know halfway. It's just made social, Like one of their guests came in and they're choosing an Arsenal and Spurs combined eleven, and they're like, "Yeah, Kane gets in every day because." And I like verbatim said, uh, Terry Henry will be a footnote," and I'm like, "You're talking about Kane, who hasn't won anything? I don't. He's never won won a a trophy." and I, I couldn't believe it. Ah, no, I classic. couldn't, I couldn't believe my stars. So that was hilarious. So whoever he is, he gets my ticket mm. for many. Yeah, years no, to come. I think that's completely so... fair.
0: Um, yeah, God, there, you do get some absolute, like, you know, those ones that do like the, um, combined 11s, which firstly, firstly have so much recency bias. And secondly, are only ever built to die of opinion. And it's just like, they always throw a few yeah. in there. That's really stupid and they love it. So they get their clicks. Something we'll never do on here. Um, Mm-hmm. Let's go to some questions. Oh, do you want to start? Shall I start?
1: Yeah, I, I can. I can check out one. Um, there was one that that did quite interest me. Um, that did did make me think in all the ways that um, I didn't really want to. Um, was the, I came from? Yeah. Will twenty two TB, and it's it says, "Do you honestly think we are good enough for Champions League?" And it made it was an interesting question in in two ways. In the first way, it made me think mm. about what do you mean by we? Do you mean our starting eleven, mm. or do you mean our whole squad? Which I think is what we've talked about uh, today. And I was like, whole squad, mm. just short. And I think that's going to show. Um, we need a couple more players who just get that last minute equalizer or drive up the training pressure kind of thing. Starting eleven with everyone's mm-hmm. foot party, Tierney. I think we are good enough. I think that is a as you as you said in the podcast as well yeah. today, we are top four starting eleven. Um and I think that we just didn't get it over the line because our whole squad yeah, I, is I, I our think Champions League world. I, I agree. There's
0: it's, it's context what are your to this, right? If you were going to throw this squad in the Champions League now, no. I'd, like, of course not. That's that's not where we are. We came eighth last season. We've had a good transfer window. And I do think the Champions League quality has dropped a bit. I think there's a lot of Premier League quality at the moment going into the Champions League. You've got obviously Real Madrid um, by Munich. You know it's not actually that many teams that are you looking really really good elsewhere um starting eleven yes, I think would be good enough, but ultimately if we were go- gonna go into with this squad next season, no, we wouldn't have a chance like it wouldn't wouldn't even get through the group stage probably i don't know um unless it was just with that starting eleven um but I don't think that's really the point of like the point is you've gotta get there mm-hmm. to prepare yourself. Like, had we got into the Champions League, I'm sure we would have been Mm -hmm. much more prepared because we would have bought the right players, we would have bolstered the squad and I think Mm -hmm. it's a process. It's not like you don't go, right, well that's it, you're in the Champions League, everyone's locked. You don't get to improve the squad. And it's a really good question because, you know, there's certainly a few angles which you can look at it, but um, quite quite honestly, I don't think you know until you're there. And until you're there, you don't get the opportunity to bolster your squad in that way or to prove yourself, or to put you know yeah. put these players um, into the top level, and um, I mean, look, I th- this, another question that goes pretty well into that is Jack underscore Fisher ninety nine that says, um, "Gutted, but could us being in Europa League um, be a good stepping stone? Could we go all the way?" You know, another way to look at it is we've got another avenue into the Champions League, and actually, it's quite a winnable competition. So instead of let's say getting to the second round or quarter final, whatever, whatever it may be. The Champions League, which obviously we'd rather be at, you know, we actually gets winners competition here.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly right. And um they put it, you know, as you as you said, uh, another avenue to get to the Champions League. In this sense, it was uh to quote the the oh, Arsenal-Amazon series: it's all or nothing <laughs> yeah, yeah. into the top four. So that's going to be, you know, as I think you said on the podcast as well, whoever we chose Arsenal this season has made their nut. Like they have absolutely nailed it in terms of like a Bamiang and getting potentially Champions League or this kind of thing. And But when you have the Europa League, there is another consideration that's like, okay, you know, we do have a plan B yeah. in that sense. Or maybe the plan B is a top four and plan A is Europa League. I'd, I would love a European trophy. Be great. Yeah, Europa League love it. Would, be, would be fantastic and I'd love a, a European away day you know, European night semi-final under the Emirates lights would be fantastic. And I think that would be, that'd be seriously, seriously cool. So I think mm-hmm. a stepping stone is a good way to put it as well. I think it would be very appropriate and interesting when, when you mentioned sort of bolstering the squad as well in terms of uh, players, but mm-hmm. also in terms of players stepping up. So I think more players will get this European taste and be able to take that stepping stone as well, whether they're new players or not. And I think that'll be good. Almost experience a good experience and a good way to Definitely. get a flavor of yeah what i think actually like.
0: that's a really good way of looking at it and particularly when you have to um <laughs> um but i i think um <laughs> yeah i think having a big experience night like this when these players are actually firing that they've grown up a bit they've had a good season in the premier league they've had some big games um and and they're developing right these players are knackered And they're still performing at Mm -hmm. this level. I think you know we've seen the slight dips of form from the likes of Smith Rowe, and you know with a bolstered squad, which I know that they'll do. I have every confidence that they'll do. Um, I think it's going to really only support Mm -hmm. them, and I think this is a really good next step. You know, we were eighth last two seasons. (laughs) Fifth is a really good stepping stone. I think the reason why it feels so bad is because we could have just got there. But actually, I think genuinely the main reason is probably that it spurs above us and i think what that could mean for the next few years it it is quite scary um so so yeah i I, it's it's a it's it's a good question and um i'm really look i'd love champions league but Mm. i'm really looking forward to european nights next year europa league i really think we could go all the way um so another question um so we've got quite a fun a double entry from Rory Didi, Um who asked about seven questions. He says, who's to blame? Which player should go stay? Does Gabriel Jesus now come? Do we ever get Champions League again? Do I burn all my Arsenal shirts? So, Rory, you, you, you're summing up how we all feel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Please don't burn all the Arsenal shirts. Mm. You know, you've got to look back and you've got to take the clout and say that even when Arsenal made me feel like burning all the shirts, I didn't. And then when we start winning things, you'll be able to look back and say, yeah, I was one of the people. No, exactly. There's there's a lot to unpack
0: there. uh, Let's go with, um, let's go with two questions within that is Gabriel Jesus. Does he now come? Uh, And do we ever get champions League again? I'm going to assume Rory, if you want to burn all your Arsenal shirts, just give them to me. I'll keep them looking after you for a bit and we can let you know at the end of, end of August (laughs) to see whether or not you want to play. Um, of course the interesting factor next season it's a world cup yes so yeah, like yeah gabriel jesus and it's world cup like half year <laughs> you know what i mean this is again so um
1: yeah yeah that's it you know even mm, more if... reason to bolster the the squad and so yeah go i go think on. after you all right so i think with with gabriel jesus from what i'm hearing he likes the project he so trusts the process. Like Champions League or bust, which I think is more <laughs> so <laughs> the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he does. He does. So then I think there's more to him joining Arsenal mm. than Champions League football. And I think he'd be fine with taking uh, a year out and still playing European football. And he can be more of a main person than he was at City. But then someone like Dybala, what I'm hearing is that if Arsenal get Champions League, he's there. Mm. If they don't get Champions League, he's not kind of thing. So I think with Jesus, there's more to it than just Champions League football. And I think Arsenal have been selling it to him in terms of his relationship with Edu and also his um, liking of the project, where we're going, his relationship with Mikel Arteta. I think those are all fantastic options for us. I think he'll still cut. I don't think Champions League football for him will be an absolute deal breaker that we can't work around. Maybe he'll try and use that as leverage or something else. Um, and then... Yeah, I think the next question, will we ever get Champions League? I think uh, I'm 99% sure yeah. we will. I don't see why not. I don't see why we can't carry on improving and carrying on breaking these matches, um, yeah. breaking into these matches with full force, into these big North Under derbies, into these big matches against Chelsea and Man United. And we've got the quality. I do, I system. do. I, mean, just, I just to go back to
0: Gabriel Jesus' question first, is that I um, I do get the same feeling. Um I don't know if that's just blind optimism, but it does. the The, the rumours are that, and you know, it, the Athletic have reported a number of times that that is kind of the vibe. Um, what that means is to what Champions League clubs could offer now, knowing that Arsenal won't have it. I, that, I think that's the risk, right? And given the fact that it's a World Cup year, is massive. Mm-hmm. I think we are going to go. You're the star man. We want you to score all our goals. You are everything. It's going to be like, well, this is probably quite a good opportunity for me to get in the Champions, uh, get in the World Cup squad, right? Because he's been out, in, and out. Um, yeah. So, so that's one. I think there's a chance, but there's always a risk. Um, the Champions League one, I think, is really interesting. And, and look, I think we'll get it again. <laughs> but um, the 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 worry is what this means for things like transfers and other teams around us. Like, you're telling me that Manchester United won't improve. You know, their last season mm-hmm. when it got Varane, Sancho, uh, Ronaldo, <laughs> you know, I, I, I doubt they will do something dissimilar this year. That was a weird double negative. But I think they'll do something very similar. They've got a manager who at mm-hmm. some point they will come good and they'll realize what they need to do. They do need to do a gutting out a job, much like what we did. But I think they'll be out there or thereabouts. Um, Spurs now will have a very dangerous offer. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the, all sorts of things come to transfers like the Capri This thing, right? Is a city, um, money, what you can offer, you know, and I think Spurs are in North London. They can offer you London and they can probably pay the wages. Now they win Champions League and, you know, they're a very similar, but a slightly better offer when it comes to what's happening next season. And, um, you know, the, 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 the fear is they get stronger and we don't get as strong. Um, Chelsea are going to be Chelsea, Liverpool are going to be Liverpool, City have just bought Haaland, having pretty much already won the league and having bought hundred million player player last season anyway. So, like, there's a lot of teams going for this. Um, you could even say obviously throw Newcastle into that mix. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's gonna to be tough. But I do think we have this conversation mm-hmm. every season, and we do always have the same worries. What I am confident of this season is that we will improve. It's just how and where. Um I still think our best mm-hmm. chance of getting in the Champions League is going to be through the Europa League, just because we've now got European games to play, um, which which means the Premier League is going to be much tougher. Um, mm.
1: There's also um, rumours with like the new Champions League schedule that if the English teams carry on doing mm. so well, we'll get an extra place. So it'll be like a top five. Yeah, into yeah that, would be, League, which is also that would be that would be technically nice,
0: but I also really uh, disagree I with think. that generally. Um, so anyway, but yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we'll definitely be in it again. I, I I I do get the point though that it's perpetuating fear um, because of what it means for other clubs as well as mm-hmm. us. And you know, it's now what six seasons without it? Seven. So it's it's a lot, and it really sort of every mm-hmm. season that goes by, it's another cement. You know, another. Another slightly deeper grave, yeah. So
1: another uh, brick in the wall. Uh,
0: but look, we're closer than we are for the last two seasons. Yeah. So. Let's do another one. Um, d- 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 mm. I mean, Tom Richmond, uh, a good friend of mine, says uh, why are we such bottle jobs. I think uh, we've we've uh, we've spoken about that a lot. Look, th- actually, do you know why that's a good question? I do think there is a conversation to be had around. There have been very crucial games over the past couple of seasons, that seemed to have hinged on getting Champions League next season or getting Europa League. And you look, you think back to the two Europa League games, so what it was, mm-hmm. obviously, Villarreal, where he played a millsmith throw through the middle. We look back to the season before it. Um, I can't remember which one that was now. Obviously, he did really well in the FA Cup, but to be fair, which is great. Um, who did we lose to? The Abamiang last-minute winner that we then didn't win. Anyway, yeah, that's it. Olympiarcos, you I know, think. obviously Newcastle and Spurs, and they do tend I do wonder if there's a theme there about just doing a bit of a pep <laughs> for want of a better But with far less money and far less to play with, you know, like <laughs> Pep in the Champions League overthinks things, and I do wonder yeah, if there's a sport um, there. it's a good uh, it's Certainly one to keep an eye on and, and think... maybe explore, but I I wouldn't want him to draw any no. conclusions now, two and a half years into his career.
1: Mm. No, of course. And I think that's that's definitely one of the, the things to get into. And I think with that, also looking back seasons where we've got different managers, different vibe, different players. And so you've got to try and track what's sort of coming across and what's almost getting into, getting into the players every time there are these kinds of big matches. And perhaps it's the mentality, perhaps it's the age, perhaps it's the lack mm-hmm. of European evenings. But I think that... With this kind of experience that we'll have in the Europa League, that's going to start to change that, and I think with the mentality that Teta's sewing into the team as well, that also start to change as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, fair play, I do agree. Um, another question, God, there's loads. I actually don't know. I mean, someone, Kev, has asked, what happens if you know Norwich City beat Tottenham, and you know we beat Everton, and hey, Team Pookie, I just obviously don't see it happening <laughs> Team Pookie Team Pookie um, there's only one Oliver man <laughs> Wilson he asks um, thoughts on Jacka's statement
1: yeah it's an interesting one uh, because there's the elements of that Jacka's also put us in situations where we've also missed out on something that he's been reckless and got a red card or everything for me which you, you might disagree with, yeah. with me on or you might not is that him questioning the mentality of others, I don't think is in conflict with his past. I think he can get those red cards, I can put us in dangerous situations, but he's always had the mentality for me to, to win, to get the team in the right position. So I think his mm. mentality has been appropriate and I think he therefore has a right to question the other players' as almost ambition and contribution when he has that ambition himself. However, there is that side to it where he's also put us into some pretty paranoid yeah. situations because of his actions. So in that sense, is he is he being a bit um, contradictory in what he's saying? For me, I think it's fine what he's saying in terms of calling out the players. And I think this is a good sort of growth moment for them. But in that sense, he's also maybe needs or there are calls for him to, quote unquote, grow up himself in terms of the yeah, decisions he makes upset, as well. Yeah, he's pretty upset,
0: right? He's just come out of a game where he's, Missed another Champions League season for Arsenal and he thought he was going to get it and he's gutted. And I think when you do have those performances across the pitch, I think he was one of them. Um, Whilst I don't think he was the worst, I don't think anyone was good. So I hope when he says we, he really means we and not they and isn't targeting anyone in particular. Um, I think there's a lot of young players there, so maybe it's a bit um, careless, but but he's emotional. And I think they all are. I don't think he does anything different in the changing room. So... I don't really feel too strongly either way about it. I'm I'm glad that at least he feels that way and and I hope the others do as well. Um, Question here from Safa Connor. Who's that? Do
1: you you want to ask your own question? What a surprise. I don't know. I don't know who that is. Yeah, I can ask my own question. Um, So for me, with Odegaard having had a couple runs as captain now, uh, I think the hierarchy from how I see it is Lacazette, then Tierney, mm. then Odegaard in terms of the captaincy, like who's on and who's off. So then, as a result, having looked at Odegaard, having looked at Lacazette, maybe thought about Tierney, who's your nailed oh, on captain for next season?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 he's had a few. Mm-hmm. A few slightly less convincing performances recently. I think he's just not that kind of player you need when your back's against the wall. No one's really being able to get out the back and he's surrounded by three players because they can afford to surround him because no one else can, you know, trap the ball. Um, not forgiving his performance, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think he was worse than anyone else on the pitch. Um, I, I just don't think you can give... or well, I don't think Lacazette's going to be here. Let's address that first. I don't think you can give a cap seat to somebody mm-hmm. who you can't guarantee is going to play less than you know more than half a games this in a season. Uh, I, I think Tinney, unfortunately, is mm. more and more looking like he's going to be that player, and I think that's really sad. Um, I think he'd be a good vice captain, and uh, I think a, you know part of our transfer strategy, I've I no doubt, will be fi- you know signing a top top left back that, that may even you know. Certainly, be pushing for 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 that top spot as left back. So, I don't know. What about you?
1: Here. Yeah, I think there are rumors about. Mm. Yeah, I think there are rumors about a thing's named Aaron Hickey or Hick uh, from Bologna, which is just another f- log to add to the fire. You can also play right back and cover in that position. I think that's so all but done. Be isn't helpful. it helpful? Um, but yeah, for me, yeah, according, according yeah, to yeah. everything, like also Marquinhos says. I think every. I think all done effectively, which is great. Um, I don't think he'll play mm. immediately. I think he's going to be loaned out to somewhere in Europe first, and then come back. Um, but then, yeah, for me, I, I would love to see Odegaard um, as a captain. And I don't, I didn't actually consider in terms of Tierney being injured um, mm. that that would factor into. But it does. You want your captain to be on the pitch, and you don't want your constant vice captain to eventually be the captain on the pitch, and then almost have like a conflict of interest between who is mm. actually on top of the hierarchy. So I think. That does factor into it, as unfortunate as that is. I think if Tini was 100% fit, Arteta gives him the captaincy. But him and, and Odegaard have such a good relationship. I read somewhere that, um, I think it was an Arsenal player saying that Arteta usually speaks mm. English if he can to everyone and Spanish if he has to, absolutely has to to some players. But then to Odegaard, it's he funny. just speaks in Spanish because obviously Odegaard can speak Spanish. And I think that as another way to exemplify mm. the kind of relationship that they both have. And for me, I think that'll translate into onto the pitch, because as, as you see, Odegaard is always the one called over by Ateta to get instructions yeah. so in the middle of the pitch. He's got like a panopticon view. You can see everything that's going on. So I think that it all plays into his hands. And he's already said that Odegaard has all the qualities that he wants. Especially because he, he runs like an absolute demon, so he's he does, and he's got bunny. that
0: experience. I think you know he's very young, but he, he's been around the block. He's played in several leagues. He's played for Real Madrid at the age of seventeen, all that sort of stuff. And so um, I think he's he's just a really decent guy with a good mentality, and I, I think he's exemplary. So yeah, I'd, I'd certainly stick with him. Um, do, you, do you want to pick one more, and we, we can leave it there? I think we've got a look at this. We've, we've been going for eleven, one hour and ten, and we still need to do yeah. a women's roundup or some thoughts. Appreciate they haven't played, so um. yeah, yeah,
1: no worries. Um, yeah, good, uh, good questions coming in. I always love looking through these questions. Um, let's go for why do you think the boys performed so poorly? Is mm. it a mentality thing? So that's from. Um J X E underscore Martin, <laughs> but the A is an X. So, Love it. Dixie, it why do you what why do you I, think the boys you know, performed so poorly?
0: Again, a mix. I think firstly I think it stems from January. I think we were knackered, we were injured, we were relying on players that we didn't trust. Um and I think the good players knew that. So they didn't trust the players around them. I think they were scared. Um, I think they were knackered. And uh, I just think they didn't show up. I think it's a combination of fear, tiredness and injury. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think I I basically agree. I think the fear was there. Mm. The tiredness was definitely there. The injuries were definitely there as well. And then... There wasn't anyone to inspire mm. the team in that sense because maybe we couldn't get the ball. There wasn't we weren't able to string more than five or six passes together, whether that was through nerves or lack of confidence. And I think that'll be one of the Arteta tasks in the summer, is just to say trust each other. Whether you do those sort of trust falling exercises or you go to you know go ape yeah. and swing around on the zip lines and enjoy all that kind of thing together, I think that'll be really important is to trust each other and to believe that this is an Arsenal squad that can go places so I think it was yeah. a, it was no a I agree trust more no, I really do
0: agree me. and I think that's been a theme I think if Arthur if doesn't trust a player he really doesn't trust them and then when we need them I think they underperform so um, anyway let's leave it there with the questions uh, look really really tough stuff and and, and, and come on Norwich <laughs> so um, you know I mean women's <laughs> the women's team have, haven't have played obviously they've they've unfortunately lost and we spoke about that last week yeah. Um when they won, I should say, but they lost the league to a very good Chelsea team. It, it, what's been happening since then? What's the reaction? And what's going on?
1: Yeah, so I'll sort of start with a with a bit of <laughs> sad news, just because that seems to be the theme for this podcast. Is um, Jordan Nobbs has unfortunately sustained a knee injury that's going to keep her out of the Euros, which is gutting. And it's been such a complicated season for her. She hasn't been in the squad. She therefore not mm. been playing with confidence when she has been chucked in and it just wasn't going right. And she was subbed on the last game of the season to get those very valuable minutes in order to be considered within the squad. But I think as a result, she, she just picked up the wrong type of injury at the wrong time and it's going to have to sit out. And does she get a new contract in the summer? I'm, I'm not sure. I would love to see her. I think it was one of the questions I had on one of the, the podcasts. I would love to see her sign a new contract mm-hmm. just because she represents more than a player. And I think she'd be very valuable, a very valuable asset to have within the middle of the park. And she is an important player. I think Jonas Aydepal has said that as well. And I just think having her there would be fantastic. But if we are looking elsewhere and we're looking more so towards people that we can get in and draft in and maybe have a few more years on them, maybe we have to consider that. So fortunately, that was the case. But we did have um, some positive news in terms of the provisional squad for the England Women's Euros uh, squad uh, in terms of Arsenal players. I think it was Leah Williamson, obviously, uh, Linus' captain, which Huge. is fantastic. And then we had mm-hmm. lots of women more you selected in there as well. And then we had Beth Massive. Mead, obviously, how could you say no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also Nikita Paris as well. So Nikita Paris is in there, which is fantastic. Also because she hasn't been getting the game time or um being put on the pitch as much as she, mm. as she would have wanted, I, I'm assured. So um, I'm sure I should say, I think getting that penalty to score her 50th WSL goal was fantastic in the, in the final uh, last couple of games. So having her there with the minutes and the ability to burn past defenders, I think will make her a seriously valuable player to have within the England ranks. And I think it's fantastic to see everyone after the season, all the reactions from the women's players were full of emotion and absolutely gutted that they didn't, they were in such a fantastic squad and they came away with nothing. And it almost goes back to the one game they Mm, lost all season, which was against Birmingham, who got relegated. Uh, 2-0 loss, completely unexplainable. I don't know what happened. And that was the game. And you look at the Chelsea squad, who've now won the FA Cup twice in one season and uh, have now won the league as well. You know, it's just that kind of mentality and edge is, is what you look for. But with all these player reactions, they had this sorrow, but they also had this very positive message that they wouldn't have wanted to have lost the league with any other group of girls, that they had a a fantastic team environment. What Jonas had brought, you know, now rewarded with a new contract has been immeasurable. And we can now see that the group is is very much unified and we can see lots of more, but signed a new contract. Uh, Viv is in discussions after a holiday, I think, with a new contract. Norm Maritz with a new contract, Steph Catley with a new contract. So you're looking at the basis of what we're trying to build and it's it's very, very exciting. So I think within this, it's going to be very exhilarating to see them next season and hopefully to, to kick on in the Champions League. And for those who are interested, this Saturday um, is the Women's Champions League final where, against Lyon and Barcelona. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be in Turin as well. I think that's going to be such, such a spectacle. So for those who are also unfamiliar with the women's game. Lyon is basically like the Real Madrid of um, of the women's game. They've won in, in, like a ridiculous amount of Champions Leagues and a lot of them in a row as well, which is an, which is immeasurable and insane. And then you get um, Barcelona coming into the four. The Barcelona, well. they haven't been fantastic. Set they have up. Haven't they just um, like
0: not dropped a point all season? Like not a single one.
1: No. No, no. So they played, they played thirty <laughs> games and won all of them.
0: God, I mean that's they are unbelievable, and they've been <laughs> they've getting won 90, every single one. They're wonders for the women's game. Like, it, it's what a spectacle. Yeah. Mm.
1: They really have. They're absolutely exemplary. I mean, Barcelona as a culture is fantastic. They, for, to mark Women's Day on the eighth of eighth of March, they transformed all of their centre circles into the the sign of mm. oh, the women's sign is fantastic. And they have an equality and diversity department within the club. So I think it's a real testament to them. And, you know, they that kind of project is definitely going to appeal to a, a player like Viv Miedemar, who wants to win the Champions League, who wants to win everything and um, wants to be part of a project. And it's interesting how when she's discussing the contract, it's not, you know, a one-year, two-year extension. Um, or so I shouldn't say it's not a three- or four-year extension, it's more one- or two-year, because I think within the women's game, it's more a norm to get that one year or two year extension. Mm. And then you sort of move on after that. And I think it's this, this a sense with Viv is that she wants to see how it goes. She doesn't want to be tied down like a Harry Kane to a seven, six year contract and be able to sort of make a decision and, and go from there. It's a little bit more precarious in that sense, fortunately, but I think that's what, what she's going for. And so in general, it's very exciting times for Arsenal players ahead of the women's euros that's going to be a fantastic time if you're in england and you can get a ticket please please do there'll be fantastic matches whomever you go and watch uh i'm going to head to the final so that's going to be a seriously cool experience i'm just going to hope that i can see some arsenal players on that pitch uh on i think it's the end yeah, of june or I th- they, they,
0: like when when there is an england players involved it makes everything so much different and like the fact that it is this summer and it is where it is like it's going to be so exciting mm-hmm. and i think it's growing massively, in this, particularly in this country. I know in Spain, um, like it's it really is. Um, there's a lot of superstars out there. Uh, Viv is obviously one of them. Sam Kerr. Like, these are absolute superstars of the game, and mm-hmm. I think they are becoming more and more well-known by the minute. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to it. And look, it's the fact that we've tied Viv down, I, I think there's going to be some exciting stuff over the summer, wouldn't you think? And is there anyone else you'd expect an income, or are you, are you expecting some influxes?
1: Yeah, so I definitely think there are there will be some players leaving. So perhaps our backup goalkeeper Lydia Williams might think that, right, I'm done with mm-hmm. being a backup. I want to move on. Uh I think Jordan Knobbs is at is at risk of maybe going as well. Um so I think there there are some definitely some outgoings. There be some in incomings. I haven't been yeah. too wide into the women's chances, I have to say. But I think we'll we'll definitely need to strengthen and to get that sort of squad depth into into shape there were times where i think we could only name a couple of players on the bench because that's the nature of the women's game as well there aren't many academy projects uh, products to to choose from and i think when we named right. like four or five on the bench, i think two of them are goalkeepers so um sort of shows that kind of situation and scott death will be key and the kind of quality so i think we're at the position now where we can sell the project and say listen we lost the league yeah. by one point we're just going to get better you know viv is here and um where this is yep. what we want to do i'm going to be here for a couple of years i in terms of jonas i've tied these players down to a new contract so come along be part of this and and be be spectacular i think we can look to poach some of those players from the bigger teams as well like your wolfsburgs or your leons um and then we just need to to make yep. sure that we, we sell the project nice. the nice right
0: um and look it's exciting you know certainly from the women's perspective there's, there's so much going on and you know i think as a as, as a positive note, I mm-hmm. think you know there's certainly a lot we can do. If it isn't for Sam Kerr and Chelsea next season, I'm sure we can do something particularly special. But I'm sure we can. Um, well, look, let's, let's leave it there. It's, I don't yeah. think this clock we've we'll be going for an hour and and 22. So people are probably ready to to go and cry themselves to sleep, as as I'm sure <laughs> we are. So um, look, Canna, mate, thanks so much for coming on, mate, and very yeah, understandable for being there for us all because well, it's going to be a tough next uh, next couple of months. <laughs>
1: No, my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Toby. And thank you for all that you do for Arsenal Editor. I'm having a fantastic time here. And I'm sure that everyone listening and everyone following the page is also enjoying engaging with us. So thank yep, you for all you do. Thank you so and much. And look, again, everyone, one.
0: if you uh, if you are listening and you do listen regularly, then it'd be amazing if you could. Please leave us a review. It does really, really help us. I do really appreciate it. And I'm going to do the sexy outro now because I've got a new software. And I'm going to fade you out. And I'll see you next time. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, everyone.